Welcome back to Minding Our Businesses, where CEO and COO sisters share unfiltered conversation about running three companies together and, and the real life between it all. All right, here we go. The episode I feel like people may or may not be waiting for. We shall see. They're waiting for it. Hi, Daddy. Hi. Hi, Dad. <laughs> Hi, Carly. Hi, Rachel. Welcome. Thank you. I feel like, I don't know, this like cosmic to tell your story today. I feel like you deserve the microphone. This is a long time coming. You think so? I do. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Hoping for the best. First, I didn't think you were going to be the first family member. I definitely thought it was going to be Andrea Rubin. The problem is we record on Wednesdays, and on Wednesdays, Andrea Rubin's the nanny. So it's like... She can't come here. She can't come. She's not invited today. We love you, Ange. So today's an interesting episode. I feel like we've had conversations about you being innocent in jail, but like brief ones. They haven't always been that deep. I don't think Carly and I always love to hear about it. I never talk about this. Or love to talk about it. Plus, I don't love to talk about it either. Yeah. Meanwhile, we're on a podcast publicly broadcasting information. I don't think we're like the kind of family that dwells in the past. No, we let go. Yeah, I think it's because of you too that we we're just like we're in the present and we're in the, we're focused on the future. I think like the day I remember the day you got out and what well, we can talk about that later, but it was just kind of like drive. Well, the thing about that though that's interesting. Well, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the thing about that that's so interesting though is that like a lot of lessons we talk about on the podcast about letting go mm-hmm. is like this could like really ruin someone's life. Yeah, absolutely. and for us, we all created new lives for absolutely every single one of us to move forward. Mm-hmm. And that's just like the biggest lesson I think people and our listeners should, should learn. What were you going to say? Well, the part the get in the car and go was a little bit different because when you get out of there, you want to get out of there. Right, you're done. I remember that Because you feel like they're going to change their mind and come back and get you. So That's let's right. get Horrible. in the car, yeah. get out of here, and then we can hug later. Right, like a little traumatized. Where'd we go? We went to Uno's. We went to Uno's. Yeah, I'll yeah. never forget that. I will never forget that. Um, so, Jerry Rubin, mm-hmm. welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You're our dad. Our Scrub dad. Daddy. You've yeah. shaped our lives. You've shaped our mindfulness. I've helped, yeah. I would say so. Um, And you are an entrepreneur. I guess, yeah. And Not I guess, you are. I think we need to start by telling people a little bit about like the story because I think a lot of times in my life I've been told that like innocent men don't go to jail or that like if you're accused of something, you're guilty. And I think a lot of the times in the past in my life, like if I saw something on the news, I'd be like, oh, well, they're guilty. Like, how could they not be guilty? You know, that's what everyone assumes. Right. Like there. And it's like there's a whole other side to it that we had to personally experience, which sucked. We'll never think that way again, though. Well, now I think the opposite way. But I think why don't you kind of explain because I don't think a lot of people really understand the story or understand what happened. I think a lot of people that I knew thought you had gone to jail for tax reasons I don't know why that was a thing that was really weird. Um, So why don't you start by explaining like what happened that day and then like explain a little bit about the business and where you were. Just tell us the story. Well, we had a different company at the time. It was only flooring. Yep. And it was in the building on Route 9 in Framingham Mm -hmm. on Worcester Road. And just so happens that weekend there was a heavy storm coming in. It was actually a nor'easter. It was Patriots Day weekend, Marathon Monday coming up. Uh, Were you running? I didn't run. Oh, then, oh, no. oh. I didn't run until after I got out, actually. Uh, so that weekend, I knew that there were some issues with the roof because my guys went up there and shoveled snow off 
the rubber roof at one time. So there were some spots and I was concerned about. So I put a tarp up on the roof on Friday. And then I checked on it Saturday, Sunday, and then went back on Monday. And I just checked on it, went into the store, looked at everything, and then I left. Uh, from the time I left, apparently something happened in there. Didn't you go to get toilet paper? Yeah, I did. I went to CVS <laughs> and I got toilet paper. Yeah, that, was, that was a big issue, yeah. Um, and then I went to the office and then around, so that was probably around 5.30. And then at 8.30, I get a call that there's a fire in the building. Oh. And it basically was a box of papers in the back area. But, but here's in where the it all... In a concrete basement. In a concrete basement, right. A very small fire. A very small fire. The newspaper didn't help because they tried to turn it around that it was financial documents. Uh, right. So, so you, you know, went back to the building. They're like, it's on fire. Yep. And what did you do? <clears throat> I was a little shocked because there was smoke everywhere. It was a five alarm fire. There were fire trucks everywhere. They were breaking windows uh, I learned the expression where there's smoke, they soak. There was break-in windows? No, no, they broke the windows. So there was upper so they office could get area. In. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, there was smoke everywhere. I mean, it was just, it was just a smoker. Uh, but as far as that goes, ultimately, all it came down to is no one could ever decide how it started. Right. You know? And then, so, but like, forget about that part for a second. You show up to the scene. I showed up, yeah. And it was my building. Right. It's your building. And what you're like, fuck, like my building's on fire. What? That's exactly right. <laughs> fuck, my building's on fire. <laughs> you know? And then what do you do next? Like, well, actually, forget about being accused. Cause at this point, you're not well, being accused. You're I, just I, like a man I, whose I building's on anything, fire. So I just went into my own mode. And after they were all done, I started cleaning up. Right. Right. And, um, they told me you can't clean up yet. I go, why? I want to get this thing back in order. So it was all soaked in there. Everything was wet and everything. Uh, we shut the building down. They started their investigation on just what happened. Right. Uh, state police was there. Because uh, step one is that the people that are involved, it's not like they, they're looking to you. They're just like, in general, what just happened to cause correct. this fire? Yeah. Right. I never thought they were actually looking at me. And even to circle back on that, it took three years for them to indict me. Right. So, is that even so, normal? So, what year did the fire happen? Two thousand six. So, two thousand. Yeah, I remember because I was in high. I was a junior in yeah. high school. And no, I would have been a sophomore no, you're in older. high school. No, I was younger. I graduated younger. in two thousand eight. I was. Oh, a sophomore. this is when he was just. It was starting the process, though. That's when the fire happened. Because I went. So I, he, I was in high school when I went to one of the. Um, the courtrooms with you. Yeah, but that, you would have been in middle that, school when the actual fire occurred. Right. Yes, correct. Exactly. And so then basically you're saying it took three years for them to so, indict you. So what happened was in 2009, December, uh, we found out I was indicted. <laughs> Wait, what does indict mean? Uh, they actually had a case against me and the court is... So you didn't even in. know. We knew nothing about this. You were like, life goes on. Like, I don't even know what was happening for that three years that nothing was... Nothing. Yeah. Nothing, had no idea, totally blindsided. And what did they present you with? Like, how did you know you were getting indicted? I got a package in the mail. And it said? You were being indicted for arson, insurance fraud, and um, grand larceny over $250. Was it why, even why insurance You mean $250,000? No, $250. What? <laughs> so <laughs> that's how they write it up. Wait, was it even insurance documents that were on fire? Or wasn't it? It was a box of old estimates. 
dad of estimates story mm-hmm. every time i hear it, it makes me mad so there was two boxes on a wooden shelf in the basement in the back one of those staples boxes you know the cardboard boxes mm-hmm. you i remember paper. you used to have those yeah yeah so that's all it was of folders yes. those stupid manila Correct. folders that say Correct. we will floor you yeah exactly so dumb okay so you get a letter in the mail and they're like you're indicted what what um, so you get accused of arson, and mm-hmm. then what was the second thing it said? So arson, insurance fraud. Explain and, the insurance fraud thing. Well, they're saying I tried to deceive the insurance company. So they're implying you lit this fire to get insurance money. Correct, which they never gave me. So you never got the insurance money. I never got insurance money. I cleaned the whole place up myself. So you never even, zero dollars. Zero dollars from the insurance company. Yeah, the story is infuriating. It, it like I it literally can't. So like, it. how could you be accused of insurance fraud if you didn't get the money? Because the idea is that I was trying, trying to do to. something to uh, deceive the insurance company. Understood. <clears throat> In the time of those three years, what was going? What what was happening? Like, what was the? Well, we were working. Yep. I put the business back in place on that store. Mm-hmm. We cleaned it up. Matter of fact, you had a bunch of I your remember, friends. I remember, yeah, me and Clarissa. You know, you had your friends come over and they helped clean on a mm-hmm. Saturday and stuff. And uh, the guys that I had working, we all cleaned it up, put it back together, and uh, we went right back open into business. So for three years, you had no clue. No clue. Just business as normal. Business as normal, and then we get this letter in the mail. Got it. All right, so we understand 2009 rolls around. You yeah. find out you're indicted. I want to understand before we go into the trial, what was like your first reaction and move? Like, what do you do when you find that information out? And what, what did you feel? I thought this was a joke. Right. I, 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 I was reading the indictment and, I, and I, the first thing I could thought was, this isn't me that they're talking about. Right. Who like it's a person? joke or it's a mistake. Right. Who is this person? Because when you read it and they're describing all the stuff, you have to say to yourself, I didn't do that. Right. I didn't do that. I didn't do that either. Right. I didn't do that. Right. And so you keep saying, you're reading the whole thing and you're reading, you know, from the grand jury and what they set up and everything. You walk away and you say, I didn't do any of that. Right. What is this all about? Did it make you angry? Um, mixed feelings. All mixed feelings. What, what did, did you do? Well, we had to consult lawyers now. What did mom do? <clears throat> she panicked. You know, and we, like and what's funny people. is we didn't know. I had no idea. Like, I didn't know any of that at that time. No, because we really weren't sure where to go with this. Were both of you just like so confused? I wouldn't say confused. We were more trying to figure out what this is and where it's going to go. Were you worried? You know me, I don't worry. But did you I, understand more, the seriousness of it? I was concerned. I wanted to get now input from legal so we can understand what was going on. Right. So who you know, did you turn okay. to? Let's, let's go there for a second. Um, we grow up in a system that we believe that you're innocent until proven guilty. Right. And that innocent people don't go to prison. Well, that's the whole mindset going through this. Right. So that's what you think. That's what you think the whole way. You're thinking. You're like, there's no way. Right. There's no way nothing's, there's nothing's going to happen on this. There's no way. Well, I think we all thought that when we found out too, because we were like, He's innocent. I don't know if I thought anything when I found out because I was on the floor of Soho. (laughs) No, but passed out. That's nice. Yeah. Thanks for that info. No, but I'm saying like when when we heard any source of this information, like we would have never been like, yeah, dad's guilty of that. Well, actually, yeah. I recall that there was that man, Norman, from the news after the fire happened. He 
Didn't he write an article? So there was an article written. When was that article? That was right after the fire. And 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 he said in that fire that the well he he tried to write an article saying that we were that I was hiding financial documents and I burnt them and he he drew up this whole ugly oh picture. he has a whole so that I think is the problem with the media well Correct. he has a whole article that like he was like the savior of Framingham that he like no. indicted you or something but he wasn't no no that's no, not no. true because he wasn't indicted at, the, at that point what was the what was the guy's name or there no, was that, that was the fire chief. there was a fire chief that yeah. was like this was the best thing that's ever happened to me i yeah. like this is i finally got him if that was the best thing that ever happened yeah, he, to him, i feel bad for yeah me too. me too me too what i find yeah, he's gotta get a life dangerous about that is you know i'm, I'm joe's a policeman i'm all, all for it but i just like i find it dangerous that a police chief who's, you know, someone people look fire up to. Fire chief. He was a fire I'm chief. I'm sorry, fire chief. Somebody people look up to in a public setting had so much power to be quoted in that way. And I find it really fucked up that somebody who's in a public figure is actually able to say things like that to the media when, you, all day when you haven't had a trial. So it's like, how are you actually able to make that impression and embarrass a man who grew up in this town who has given so much to his community, and then you make a statement like that—that's publicized. At that point, were you confused that there was that that article had come out? We went down, and they had to do some sort of retraction. Which, from the front page where they did their original one, now the retraction was in the back page where no one would see it. Right. So I mean, it's it, it, whatever bullshit. But the, the truth is, is that you need proof for anything, and there was none. That's not true. I think the point is, is that you don't need proof. You don't need proof. And that they can do it. It's supposed to be. But you were supposed you to be proof. proven. Well, I think what Carly's saying is in a beautiful world, you should need There should proof. have been proof that like there was a situation or that the like there was an electrical fire. Or no, there was like fact of the matter is he was reporting on incorrect facts. That was all a lie. It was all made up. That's the thing. It's well, like nothing was true. Read, when you read the indictment and you read what was presented to the grand jury and you read all this and you say to yourself, this isn't me. This isn't what happened. And then even the same thing when you go to court and you hear them talking, you say, that's not me. Who are you talking about? Right. Like, you know, so yeah. It goes all the way through the system. You, you have a whole different idea going in. Once you get hooked up in that system, you understand how faulted it is. Mm-hmm. And, and you realize that, you know, the storyline that we're being given is completely wrong. Innocent till proven guilty is cor- incorrect. That's not how it works. It's not the, actually how it goes down. No. All right. So you lawyer up. We thought we did. Yeah. You thought you, thought you did. So you hire this doofus McDoofusstein. Well, actually, here's, here's what happened. I mean, the original lawyer we talked to, it was going to cost $100,000 to hire him. We didn't have 100000 Right. So it was recommended that we went with a public defender. Mm. All right. Big mistake. So the public defender, which I now understand the term, they study the case on the elevator right up. They don't do anything. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not mocking all you lawyers out there that actually do, but the one I got stuck with yeah, I would read say, the case on the way up. I would say that you're explaining a situation based on your personal bias experience. And that's not an apply all if that's what you do. It's not an apply all. And obviously not everybody has a hundred grand just to throw out a lawyer. And part of that was also the belief that innocent people don't go to prison. Right. And you know, 
now I understand a whole different. Like we're in this mode that this whole thing is like completely bogus. Basically, we're like this could never turn into anything. This is so that's what we were. This looking is at. so not going to be anything just because we so didn't do anything. So right. this is so confusing that this right. is even a thing. So we're like we can go with the least lawyer, or we can go with someone who's right. Like we don't pro bono. need to lawyer up we, that much. We're Correct. good. But the truth is, this is all manipulation, and you do need to. Okay, so you get the state appointed attorney. Yep. What's his name? I mean, they can look it up. I can look it up later. I forget. Greg? I, Greg. I Greg. I don't want to even go there. Fuck yeah. you, Greg. Yeah, um, exactly. All right. So he, how does he prep you for this case? He really didn't. He didn't. He, I kept asking those questions. What were you asking? I was asking, how are we going to prep on this? What do you need to know from me? What are we going to do? Was jail uh, on the table? So the problem was when you look at the charges that they were bringing up against me, and that's what they like to present is you're looking for 20 to 30 years. This is what is like this whole point right here is like what I felt like I had to say to my friends when like this whole thing happened is like the arson was 20 to 30 years. And that was the charge that you were being charged with. Between all three. Which made no sense because your sentence didn't even become that, which we'll get into later. But that's where I was like, no, there was sketchy shit. There's that so much the sketchiness in this story that is so odd to me. Even hearing it as a 30-year-old? Even, even 10 years later, I think about it and say, you know, when you two asked me about doing this, I think about how much bullshit we deceit. went through. No, there people was need deceit. to know this shit. Yeah. This is valuable shit. Everybody yeah. needs to know. Yeah. I think first you have to be open to knowing it, it can happen, and then you can hear the information. Well, yeah, it can happen to everybody, but, you know, there's so many different angles on it, and the way the system is designed, I, I learned, you know... It's different when someone is in the system and they're going in and out, in and out, and that's their way of life, and they know what to do in the system, right? Me, I got caught up in a system that I knew nothing about, right. Right. that I trusted. Well, it's actually very dangerous. It's completely dangerous, 100%. Um, all right, so we prep, you're quote-unquote prepped for this trial, right? As far as, like, Carly and I are concerned, you're in high school. Mm-hmm. I'm in college. Mm-hmm. I just uh, started an internship. Yep. I think I was on, like, day three of my internship and I knew there was a trial happening. You guys didn't tell me to come home because I think none of us thought anything really of it. I was still working. Right. You were still working. I, I had like, jobs in progress. I like went one day because I wanted to like get out of school. Like, and it was like a joke. I was hanging with mom yeah. all day. Oh no, it you were fighting with a lawyer. Oh no, I hated him. You, I, you immediately hated him. I immediately hated Hardly him. Hardly knows. Oh no, she knew. No, and he was just so nasty arrogant. and arrogant yeah. and dumb and like literally telling me I had a lot of earrings in and I was like what are you are you focusing on my earrings right now like I'm confused well you'd think if you had a strong attorney and jail was on the table that they would tell you to bring your children well no and your handicapped child no. to show what's at stake here oh no no let me explain something all right here's one of the things I learned our system which the constitution guarantees us the right to a trial is really not set up for trial. It's set up for a plea deal. That's how our system is set up. That's sick. And no one can argue me, all right? Because you hear so many people say, you know, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, but here's what happens, and this is what they were banking on. They bank on someone like me, and they say, listen, Mr. Rubin, you're looking at 20 to 30 years, but if you plead guilty to a lesser charge... Never. ...then we can do this. Never. And I said I wouldn't plead Absolutely guilty. Absolutely not. The whole time I said I wouldn't plead guilty. 
because it, I didn't do money. Well, that's so not you. You would. I'm not be guilty never. to something I didn't it's do. About, yeah, it would it's never. about money somehow, but, somewhere. But the way they work, and if you it look at everything, be. it's all about a plea. Yeah. Every everything along there, and they, that's how they present it to people. So there there are a lot of people that don't do anything, and they get caught up, and they say to them, "Look, you're looking at five years, but if you plead guilty, you'll serve six months." Mm. And most guys will look at it and say, "Well, I can do that sleeping." I can do that on my head. You know, I'd be in and out in six months, no problem. It's not right. That's how it works. All right. So you go to the trial. Yeah. How did you feel during the trial? Well, I thought it was a joke again. And I keep using the word joke because right off the start, watching how a jury is selected, once again, is so wrong in, in so many different ways. Our jury system was designed over 200 years ago, and it was supposed to be an honor to serve as a juror. And that's what people did. They would go on a jury because they felt it was the right thing to do. Now, people are trying to get out of it. Every single person in a jury doesn't want to be there. I don't care what they say. And oh, then, I've gotten out of it 750 right. times. Everyone wants to get out of it. Lauren's actually gotten me out of it. They all want to get out of it, and they don't want to be there. So right off the start... The system's broken. And then, you know, these lawyers... They're, at a certain point, they're, they're not picking jurors in your favor. They just want to pick somebody, get this thing, keep moving, and keep let's it get going. out of here. Well, think about this. Everybody's just going to their job that day, and they want to go home that or to yeah, 100%. their kids that day or their families that day, and they're just like, they don't care what happens to you. There was a juror that was sleeping. They don't care what happens to you. And I kept hitting my lawyer saying, he's sleeping, he's sleeping. It, it's it, just, did you think there was foul play in the trial? When you say foul play, what do you mean by foul play? I mean, you know I have my opinions of what I think happened. I'm not going to state them here. No. I, I personally think there was foul play. It just sounds like, to me, when something's sketchy... Sounds like a setup. It sounds like a setup. To me, when something's sketchy, something's sketchy. So here's the deal, all right? There's no question this whole trial was influenced by the insurance company. 100%, the insurance company pushed it. There was nothing here to try. You don't think there was an outside person pushing it? I don't believe there's any outside phantom person, no. I, I do. Don't. I don't believe that. You guys can believe whatever you want, but here's the deal. There was no evidence, no cause of fire, no scientific proof. They couldn't come up with any answers of why or how this started. The cause of the fire kills me because it's like... They don't know how it started. If you're a, a fire chief or whatever the hell you think you are, shouldn't you know how the fire started? Let me know, actually. Well, okay, but let's go deeper into that. Let's say you don't know and you can't determine it. Isn't you, that the whole point if you can't determine it how can they determine you they just say oh you were there it must be you where's the match Find See, that's me. why i think there's foul play though because i don't think it makes sense that they're saying there's we cannot determine the cause so we're going to determine the cause is you to me that that doesn't add up none of it adds it up. seems rigged but well that's what we want to believe but it's just it's all about they needed their pound of flesh yeah, they that, needed that's to all point it really, to somebody. At the end of the day, they just needed a pound of flesh. Someone was going... I, I really don't like the, the term pound of flesh. Yeah, it really that's makes me sick. Exactly. I don't like it either. It's an expression, like and that's what it is. Podcast. I'm sorry. Thank you. I well, retract the pound of flesh. <laughs> we'll keep it in there, but we retract it from happening again. Um, all right, so you're sitting in the trial. Yes. It's weird. Yes. You think it's a joke. Yes. Hoping for the best. I'm in Soho. Carly's in high school yes the other the boys are in elementary school not even probably yeah elementary school. yeah no they were young elementary i remember yeah. jesse mom's probably just like what the <laughs> fuck probably fuck mm -hmm. and then you they are about to announce well wait a second okay yes tell us oh no no they came back with 
Eight, three, and one. What's what that does that mean? mean? Eight innocent, three guilty, one undecided. For the jury. For the jury. Oh, literally. Doesn't that mean mistrial? All right, hold on. So the judge said to them, I want you to go back and I want a verdict before lunch. All right. Before and lunch. Before lunch. That's exactly what he said. What are you having, Chipotle? And he, and he said, if they can't come back with a, he said it just like this. If they can't come back with a guilty verdict, I'm going to call a mistrial. That's what he said. I thought the judge actually had a stroke. I don't care if anyone wants to look into the judge. The first time I saw him, I thought the guy had a stroke. There was something wrong with him. Yeah, he was paid off, I think. I mean, there was other things, too. You know, it's like their expert witnesses weren't experts. Now, there's so much that goes on. It seems this. so sketchy. It just seems coerced to me. It's, Again, it's just, people are going to their jobs that day and then wanting to go home. The jurors and they don't just care. don't want. Or they're to. being double paid to be at their job by somebody who maliciously had a definitely malice. Someone entitled. wanted you out of that building. Whatever you want, I can't go there. That's not what I believe. I'll I, go there. Look, whatever reason it happened and however it went down, there was no cause of fire. They had no right to blame me, and I have no right to blame anybody else. Deal. That's how I have to look. Fine. At it. We'll take your positive. All right, so then free. it's not positive or negative. It's just it is what it is. It was, there's no way to prove anything. All right, so so you're standing there. So you're, you're standing waiting there, for the verdict. Waiting yep. for the verdict, and, and then, you're like, I'm about to. This is about to be over. not guilty, and I'm going to go get a D'Angelo sandwich. That's I what you're thinking. Gonna He's going to go get a chicken stir fry and a pita. I, I was all set. We're going to go to lunch. Let's have a mistrial. Get out of here. All what right? happens? <clears throat> Explain that moment. They come back and they go guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> And judge looks, and I stood up and I said, what the fuck just happened? And the judge looked at me and said, sit down, Mr. Rubin. I go, for what reason? What just happened? And then he said, bailiffs, make him sit down. So I had to sit down. Yeah, because at that point now, you're reacting. And you're, you're, in this you're inappropriate now. Right. right, right. Woof. So what he ended up doing was he said to me, you can go home get your personal items in order, and come back tomorrow for sentencing. That's what he did. Mm. So I had to go home, tell everybody what just happened, and go back the next day. That must have been, honestly, the worst day of your life. It was not fun. Who did you tell? Well, we had to tell all you guys. I remember how I was told. (laughs) I I have a PTSD from phone calls now. I... (laughs) I passed out in Soho and woke up in a random spa bed. Somebody had dragged me into a bed and had ice water on my head and was feeding me apple juice. You're lucky that's who found you. I know. I was on a stoop. I was alone, yeah. That was the day Alexa was timing me to get from location to location. I was staring at my location and my mom called and I was like, I can't talk right now. She was like, go sit down. And I'm like, go sit down where? She's like, just go sit. And I'm like, okay. And I go sit down on a stoop. I must have sat down on the stoop of a spa and they were like, and my mom was like, we don't know what happened. We don't know how, but daddy was found guilty and he's going to jail tomorrow. I, so I, I couldn't I even remember. get home. I only remember you taking your shoelaces off and giving them to mom when you were leaving. That's all I remember. I don't. That doesn't Lauren exist. said, Lauren said what happened to beyond reasonable doubt. That doesn't exist. No, the, or it I, didn't I, exist in this scenario. Lauren, I went to prison with no evidence whatsoever against me. 
Absolutely. I mean, and when I can say that, that's why I was able to get this overturned. Wait, not only can you say that, it's documented. It's but not like you're ex- making it up. I have extreme it's, anger. Like how it's about like this? I'll give you one. Bubbling right? inside. So me. what was you your know, sentence? Bubbling. So when I think back of some of the stuff that went through and the people that went in and out and were doing the investigation, the sergeant that was from the state police that was doing the fire investigation, all right, he, I had to let him in. I'm the man that's letting him in. So if, if I'm under investigation, why am I letting him in? Right. right. He didn't, you so didn't know you were I'm under investigation. In, all right? So all set, he's doing like a three, four day investigation. I'm meeting him there every day. I let him in. Last day, he says to me, all right, Mr. Rubin, you're all set. I have everything I need. I go, all right, no problem. I said, I, it's cleared. I can start cleaning the building. He goes, clean the building. Go ahead. So the next day we go in to start cleaning the building. I go in the back area to see how bad it is. And I find all his stuff, his, his big case with all his, you know, testing devices and all his evidence and everything that's in there. So I call him up. I go, Sergeant. I said, have you been looking for your case? He goes, yeah, I've been looking everywhere for it. I go, well, I have it. Yeah, you're All guilty. Right. Right. Why don't you call the police and tell them that you have their <laughs> stupid evidence, idiot? Why don't you think about that one for it's a minute? the dumbest right? thing I've ever heard. I, I just want to make that one, makes I hate, make one I, quick statement. <laughs> Hold on, please. I, before we, like, we obviously, I, like, I support the police and, and fire. Well, I'm firefighters. I would just like to deal. state. No, hold on. People make mistakes. I'll make it the statement. Yeah, I think you're the right person to make the I statement. I am Officer marrying Trusey. a cop. Yes, you are. We, we love, love Joe. We, we love, love Joey. Joe. We love police. And I would officers. like to state that they have a hard job, and it's it's there. It is a hard there's job. There's hard decisions to be made there. Given weird situations, I would never want to be dealt. It takes a specific type of person to be one. I just want to say that I support them. Do, I, I don't want this to be like do a bash I, on that. Do I think that people need to understand the decisions that they make when they are doing their job? If you are going to be an important person in this world under such power, absolutely. Yeah, and you have to. And I am always giving Joe feedback on things I feel if I need to. But you can't speak to it unless you witness it yourself. I think the problem is the weight they hold in their hands. They don't real people need so to if you don't there. realize that I find his case with all his testing stuff, all his samples and everything, right? Isn't that considered compromised? Yes. That's what I was going with it. Shouldn't that be compromised? If I'm under investigation, which I didn't know, I find your case with all your samples and everything and I hand it to you. How do you know at that point that stuff is still secure? Well, this is the thing that yeah, pisses, you had plenty of time to think is, about that. This is the thing you? that pisses yes, me off. If there no, was any I became, evidence, I became a jailhouse lawyer. You should have seen the documents I had going in and out of that place. I Dad, remember. if you if there was evidence in there that would that's have, actually really funny. Look, the his letter is right behind. That's him. crazy. If there was evidence that was going to indict you, you would have gotten rid of it if you were actually any someone normal person. Correct. That thinks, you know. Correct. Hiding stuff. Yes. Actually, I didn't know that. Again, bubbling with anger. I'm no, gonna need to we're go not for, bubbling right. with anger. I need to go going. for a run Let's after this. Let's okay. So guilty. Go yes. home. Guilty. Go. Tell home. people. Yes. Tell your family. Yes. How long after you were said that they were that you were guilty? Did you actually go? Next day. No, no, no. We're missing a part. You were sentenced for what? Oh. The sentence was two years, and two years on and after. See, I, I think that's also sketchy. So if, if the let's charge go, was, was 20 to 30 years. Exactly. Why the fuck were you sentenced for two years? And that's what I held on to the whole time because someone knew you were innocent. Someone somewhere knew you were innocent. Not just any Joe Schmo gets charged with arson and then gets two years. Pound of flesh. 
Stop. Uh, <laughs> but but think but truly think about that. Need somebody to, to blame. Truly. They needed somebody to blame, yes. But why? I don't you didn't know. get any money. I don't you know. didn't get anything. It wasn't even exciting. I don't know. You got nothing from it. It I makes no sense. I think I don't the point is it if doesn't you got make sense. $1.2 million and bought a cruise ship, right. I'd be and like, you're, you're a like, piece okay, of shit, Dad. You suck. But you didn't. We got nothing. We got butkus, so we got nothing. Ew, butkus. If, if anything, the only thing I hear when I hear the word butkus is, is it from? It takes two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The butkus family. Oh, sloppy, Lauren's never seen It Takes Two. Sloppy Joes. Lauren, I love every part of you, but that part... She's never seen Dirty Dancing. It's literally offensive She's never seen Dirty... I actually would request that you watch it tonight. Okay. If, if you would, please. It Takes Two. Okay. So... What happens? So, so, they, so they, they, day they come one. over... Well, they well come yeah, over, what happens? They come over. This is the part with the shoelaces. I, I remember that. I have to take that. my shoelaces off. Uh, I wasn't here for any of I was. I didn't even know this It was really happened. fun. I had the best time. All right. Now, here, here's where it turns to a different direction for you guys. All right. So, they cuff me up. Saw right? it. The CO brings me down to lockup. And he says to the other guy, he goes, listen. He goes, this guy got wrong. Take it easy on him. All right. So, now come back to some of the people I dealt with. All right. There were people in there. Oh, we're, we're going to go to that. First, there were people in there that knew. Don't what go happened. there yet. That knew what happened. But you want, then, then they, they had me in lockup, and then they put me in, I call it the dog cage. Yeah, that's what I want. So day one, so you, wait, stop. They, they stop, put stop, me stop. in the van. Stop, stop, stop. So you go into the van. Did they pick yeah. you up from the house? No. You, mom drove you? We drove there. So you, Poor mom, honestly. So that's you, horrible. You're yeah, she there. had to leave without horrible. me. horrible. So she left without you. You're there day one. Yeah. And then what, what's the first thing well, you do no, when I'm you get in, there? I'm in, the, I'm in the cells downstairs in the courthouse. In the courthouse. All right. And then they put you in that van that has no windows, no lights, and you're locked with your hands and your feet to the chair. That takes some serious brain right. power to yeah. not freak out during those it's situations. It's interesting that you were given an opportunity in your life to test everything you trained so for. So that, that, that van crazy. right there, I'll put it out there, should be illegal. That should be Was illegal. it horrible? It's not about it being horrible. All I was thinking about, if this thing ever gets in an accident, I'm dead. Yeah. There's no way out of this thing, you know? And plus, you know, a lot of the guys, they shut the lights on purpose, you know? It's, it's actually inhumane. It, it's, it's not a correct way to transport people. Why would they shut the lights on purpose? And I know that some Are those people, cops driving you? I'll, COs. Some people are guilty and do deserve, you know, to not feel like this is a pleasant experience, of course. But that's, I think there's a difference between unpleasant and inhumane. That's inhumane. It's, I'll say it's not right because it's, it's definitely a safety issue. Also just like LOL, because like the police and everybody tells you to buckle up and, and you could get, you could get pulled mm -hmm. over. But yet when the police are driving you from place to place, you're stuck in the back of a well, remember something. dark you, van. You're now a prisoner. You're a piece of shit. Yeah. You know? And in everybody's eyes, you're, you're nothing now. You're trash. Mm, that's, that's lovely. You know? Um, all right. So cool. So step one is you, when you enter into the jail, right? You're, you're there. What, yep. what, what happens? They take all your personal belongings that you're wearing, they check it in, and then they strip search you. Mm, that's right? yeah. good you dignity. Know, all those people that complain about TSA, please. All right. This here, you have to literally stand naked in front of all the officers. You have to open your butt cheeks. You have to lift everything. You got to open your mouth. You have to stand there naked. Step one, it's let's just turn you not into a human. Well, they, they want to make sure you're not bringing anything in. Right, of course. Then, you, then they give you your jumpsuit, and they give you your box. What's your box? That's where you're going to put all your stuff in. So 
Weren't you sent to solitary confinement first? No, you're sent in, you go to a thing called New Man. All What's right? that? So it's the first section you're in for 30 days. And basically it's, the reason for New Man a lot of times is getting you affiliated with the place. And also for a lot of people who are in there for detoxing and stuff. Right. You know, you're locked up for 22 hours a day. So they put you in a cell. And the first reality is when that door shuts, by the way. You know, that door slams shut, then you're, I'm here. That's it. That's horrible. What went through your mind? I'm here. This sucks. I'm locked up. I mean, here's where you're at now. You're in a 7 by 13 concrete bathroom with two beds. Were you alone? No, you have a cellmate. Did you like that cellmate? So, I don't know if you can really say you like cellmates. Um, In New Man, there's a high rotation of cellmates. Because that's where everyone's getting rotated every 30 days. Right. So you could have someone that's already been in there for 28 days that you get put in that's with. losing then, their mind. Right. And then they just keep rotating out. So in New Man, it's just new people every minute. Did you cry? No. I was in more of like evaluation mode. What does that mean? How am what I were you doing, physically how I, doing? What do I have to do to get through this? Right. Everything in my mind was, how do I get through this? How did you, what was your plan of action? Uh, I had to evaluate first and see what was going on. And what did you do? What did you conclude? Um, when you say, what did I conclude? Well, first thing is, I'm in a cell with another man, and the door is locked. You have a sliver of a window going to the outside and a sliver of a window on the door. And, Oof, I'm claustrophobic you know, thinking about it. Now, I say... What my first thoughts were is, how am I going to get through this? What am I going to do? How do I survive? And what am I in for? I had no idea what I'm in for. Right. So were you scared? No. I wasn't scared. Were you worried? No. Were you mad? No, I was too busy thinking about my course Survival. You were in survival mode. I was in total survival mode. That was the only thing you could do, just figure out how can I survive this. My thoughts were 100%. How do I maintain and get back to my family? Mm. That was my biggest thought, you know, because as I started to learn what goes on is there's a lot of things that can mess you up in there. Mm. Yeah, that, that's time. actually my next question. So, like, y- you weren't in solitary, no. but you were in New Man, and then you get out of New Man. So they're what they call pods. So there's New Man and then pod A, pod B, you know. So you'd go into different pods. Okay, and, so where'd and it you depend, go? It depends because... There's so many people that are in there for drug and alcohol treatment, and it, it's more about, like, what level of treatment you're in there for, which pod you go into. Right. You know, so, and, and a lot of times, I, it start, actually, I started off in pod C, and then I found out that the best way to get in there, get out of there, is to go to pod A and B, because you could take AA and uh, smart recovery and get good time. So, right off the bat, when I found that, I, I tried to work my way to pod A and B. It's like a weird strategy system. You have to almost like learn your environment. You totally have to learn your environment, 100%. Like digest. Did people like tell you like you made some friends or like not friends? You don't actually make friends. But like you like made people that like were acquaintances almost? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you meet people in there, yes. That you could have conversations with at least? Well, you know, there's some people. feel like alone? um, You know, some of the people I was locked up with, you know, they're in there two, three, four weeks, sometimes five weeks. You were with the same person. Again, people rotate. Uh, you got, you start to know people. I mean, you're going to talk to people. You're going to understand, you know, what they were in for, you know, what you did. Also, there's another side to that, you know, trusting what the legal system. 
The lawyers tell you when you walk in there, don't tell anybody what you did. Worst advice in the world. Because if you don't tell people what you did, then they think you're hiding and they think you're a pedophile or a rapist. Right. You know? So the worst thing you do is hide. You have to sit, you know, you don't sit there I'm, and start crying on anyone's shoulder. You just say, listen, this is what I did, blah, blah, blah. That's it. Right. But, but at first, you know, I found out, you know, because my lawyer said, don't tell anybody. So then I found out real quick because someone said, no, no, don't do that. Right. You know? Well, yeah, because you don't want to look like you're hiding anything. Right. Understood. And then they also think you're a narc. Right. You know, so you got to, again, you got to be careful because it, it can go many different directions. That's it's scary. So, it's so funny, the speed at which your brain has to adapt to the situation. It's like once you entered it in the cell, it's no longer about I'm an innocent man in jail. It just no. doesn't matter. Fuck there. that. It doesn't even matter anymore. It's just like I am doing whatever it takes. I am in a situation yeah. where my, I'm in danger. Yeah. I'm yeah. in danger and I need to, I need to understand what I need to do to not be in danger. It's definitely a hostile environment, no matter what anyone wants to say. What is the environment like the movies? No. What's it like? Uh, I mean, when you say like the movies, first of all, the movies you're watching TV. So how can you understand what it's like to be locked up? It's in hard for me to watch anything you like know? that. I don't, I don't, I can't. And, and you know, it, 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 it's a whole different thing. And, and people are in their own groups. Did you find that, did you, did you fit in anywhere? Was there anyone that like, that, did you have anyone? So yes, in a certain way. All right. Um, I, I, to get through my day, my day was very regimented in what I did. Okay? Well, well, yeah. Take us through so a day. I was up four o'clock every day meditating for an hour, no matter what, straight meditation for a whole hour. Then was that like quiet breath work? Uh, if you really must know, it was a lot of combat meditation. Like what? Uh, I could tell you in another time. Right. So <laughs> a very was, Jerry Rubin answer. It was, it was very focused, very much so that I could manage my day. Right. All right. Okay. That's what was it like my, a form of visualizing? A lot of visualizing. But yes. you were able to. Um, I mean, I, I will tell you this: there was a lot of interesting things that came out of some of the work that I was doing on meditation. Yes. A very interesting. Were you able stuff. to leave the cell at this point that like you could like come out and go in as you pleased? No, you're still locked up 22 hours a day. When did that end? When I was moved to CWP. Oh, okay. When so you- until I was on work release, you did not have freedom. And I did have a little bit, you know, in between there, I did make it to uh, the kitchen. I know. So we'll I, talk I about work- that. I was working in the kitchen for a while. So which- you meditate. Yeah, and then uh, usually from there, I'd do a workout, and then I'd read. Then I'd have breakfast. Then I'd come back in, and I'd read and work out again. A lot of body exercise. It was all body. Yeah, you, know? you were ripped when you came Push-ups, pull-ups, squats. Um, I used to drive people crazy if I was on the second floor because I'd be doing, like, jumping. Like, I'd imitate like I was jumping rope, skipping stuff. they uh, get mad at you? Well, they could hear me down below, you know, so guys would be banging stuff, right? Um, but, yeah, there's, there's a lot, you know. Things like so, I'd work out, and then I again a lot of I read over a hundred books while I was in there. Was your cellmate fine with you working out in there? Most of the guys sleep. Oh, a lot, a lot of the guys that are in there, they just sleep. Right. Interesting how it's metaphorical to life, in a way. Like you chose to have a day and a routine. Yeah. You chose to have meditation, body work, soul work, yeah. mental clarity, and you're saying other people chose to sleep. Yeah, most people slept the day. It's kind of funny if you actually think about the irony of that in terms of like, you can choose how you spend your time. You can choose how you put the work in. You can choose how you formulate your day. So here's, here's what the I whole ended thing's up. crazy. It, you know, 
something that got out of it, right? I could not make the choice of leaving. I could choose what I did. Right. And that's where you're going with this. So I chose to make sure that I yeah, But did isn't not, that everything? Can't you just, can't, isn't everything a choice? A lot of times, yeah. Most of the time, life is a multiple choice. You basically so yes. took a pile of shit that you were handed. And I made it work for And me. you made it work for you. Correct. And I love that. Because most people can't do that and they won't. And they'll spend their whole life not doing that. And that's what sucks is look at where you are now, though, compared yeah, to Yeah, there was others. a guy, Jay. Um, he's actually dead now. Um, he came up to me one time. He said, you know, it's really weird to watch you in this place. I said, what do you mean? He said, you go through here. He said it like this. He said, you're like an icebreaker going through ice. You just walk through on your own mission. He said, every day you're on your own mission. Now, in between. Did people know, like that or not? Well, what ended up happening, so I was doing a lot of workouts, and um, I had a few guys that ended up wanting to train with me. So we'd, we'd break. You know, what would happen is the door would open up. So you only have 55 minutes to get out because then you have to be back in the cell. So we'd get out there, and uh, we'd have workout routines and stuff. Um, That's yeah. nice. Yeah, we had a lot, of, a lot of workout routines. So a lot of training physically. Um, I think on Saturdays and Sundays they put a TV out there. A lot of guys do a lot of gambling at the tables and play cards. You know, I chose to work out. Yeah. Did anyone pick on you? Not per se. No one really. There was one group that was, had a... Um, had to do, they didn't, I'll say it, a white supremacy group that was in there. They didn't like me because of my background. Because you're Jewish. Correct. What, can you just give a little bit of an insight? You don't have to go deep into it, but like what did they do to you? They didn't actually do anything. I mean, I could tell that. So there was one of my cellmates and um, he was, um, he was black and they didn't like the fact that I had a roommate that was black. And they made a big scene about it, and they were trying to give me a hard time. And I said, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Why are you making a scene? And, and they said, you don't understand. You're in the wrong group. And, then, and, and it was a whole stupid conversation back then. I said, It's all about the groups I said, I, in I, jail. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm here to get out of here. That's, Why is it all about the groups? Because I think you feel... There's always pressure to connected be with, to other people when you're in there. It's like, who do you belong with? Right. right I guess. I kind of just hung to myself. That's what I did. I understand that. I, I just wanted to get in and get out. Why didn't they like you were Jew that you were Jewish? That's probably a lot of people don't like Jews. Okay. I mean, think about the group that I said, they were, they were on that side. I don't get it. What did Jews ever do? I don't know. What, what does anybody What's ever the do? Problem? It's a whole different what do we do? What do we do? do? It's silly that, business. That's a whole different conversation. Just like, silly business. I like a blincy. All right. So <laughs> I love a little kugel. All right. Cool. It's <laughs> just going to be a quote from this podcast episode. What did Jews ever do? <laughs> I love a blincy. All right. So I like bagels. What was your hardest day? Do you remember it? My hardest day. Yeah, I do remember it. And um, it, it was, a, so, his, his, so a lot of these guys would always say, listen, you know, because we're in the kitchen. And uh, I was actually very interesting what they allowed me to do in the kitchen. I created a whole inventory sheet for the kitchen. You Shocking. created processes. Shocking. It, it was almost like Shawshank Redemption, I tell you. They had me on a computer. No one was allowed on the computer. I was doing stuff to organize the kitchen. And uh, one, of the, one of the guys who were in the kitchen with me, he said, listen, you got to stop. They won't let you out of here. 
If, if don't show so much value. Don't exactly what he said. Don't show value. They will not let you out. I like him. Right. So it came time for graduation from the culinary school I was in. That was uh, fun but, time. Um, and from culinary, you're supposed to go. Part of doing the culinary is to go to CWP. Right. That's the next step, and that's one more foot out the door. That's the idea. So uh, the deputy tried to stop me from going to CWP. No, no. And that was a hard day, and. I ended up, uh, some, I, I don't 100% remember how it came around, but uh, we were able to connect to somebody in the prison system. Is the deputy and, a cop? Yeah, he's uh, the deputy in that particular, uh, for the kitchen, he's what they call a white shirt. Yeah, he's, not, he's right. a no for me dog. So um, he tried to keep me back so that I could stay in the kitchen and keep working in the kitchen, but ultimately we were able to make it through and... I was able to get to CWP. I actually remember that. I feel like that, mom had something to was, do with that. That was a tough day. That was because that's all you were like. Literally, everything you were doing was for that. Everything we were doing to try to get one yeah. more foot closer to the. I door. remember when you called me, or we would talk, yeah. and you said, "I I think you were picking up trash on the side of the road or something." I you, was doing. trash You were so up excited. Well, you were like, out of the I'm cell. literally. I didn't care. You were like, <laughs> "I am working today, and yep. I'm going to." I'm, pick up trash. I'm going to pick up trash. I, I don't like, care. Oh, things I thought you would never How about say when to I was me. going to work for food. I like that too. I know? remember that you told me you would take bananas and I was like, I, so happy for you, you know, but it was, you know, when I got into CWP, so that we'd go out there and work and we'd cut grass and we'd paint buildings and stuff and they would bring us lunch. So obviously we're not in the cells anymore. So yeah. we're not having the kitchen food. They're actually going out and getting us real food. You know, so what did you have? Were you so excited? Whatever we could get. <laughs> I, I learned to eat everything. Didn't mm. matter. Yeah. What brought you joy? Tuna packets. Working out. <laughs> Anything and else? Working out and reading and, um, and visits when you guys would come to visit. me. I was going to ask you about the visits. Right. I mean, I right. obviously distinctly remember what it felt like to be on the other side of the glass. It was, that was, that's terrible. Yeah. What's it like for you to be on the other side of the glass? A very hard feeling because... You're so close, but yet so far. Yeah. You know, I would see you guys and, you know, I want to hug you and I couldn't, you know, um, is glass separating us. Yeah. You know? That first time we saw you was probably one of the worst days of my entire that. life. That I was hated that day. Jesse's like two tears going down his face at the well, same time. How about this? Um, it got to the point where the boys didn't want to come see me and I just said, fine, you know. I mean, I get it. They, they were so young. They were too young. Yeah. They, I didn't want them in there anyways. I just came yeah. alone because I was like, I'm not leaving you in there. Yeah. Yeah. Pick up a phone. Lauren said, phone. "Is it the phone?" You'd get phone, but I'm talking about like we had visits, and they'd come in. But those no, visits. she's saying, did you have to pick up the phone, glass to glass? Yes. No, no. There was a. Um, was oh, there was there a speaker. Was, there, no, there was a phone. There was a was phone. Mm -hmm. yeah, I remember thinking it's dirty. Right. There was a phone. It was absolutely a phone. I was disturbed. I forgot about to that. touch the phone. I was disturbed. Just to enter the jail. The, it was they so called annoying. us the Kardashians of jail. Mm. I was flattered by that. Yeah. Thank you. We came in all black. We were hot as hell. Mm -hmm. Getting on the bus. Driving on through. I did have a couple of funny visits, though. What were they? Um, Michael Stifter? No, Steven Stein. Oh, that was a good one. That was a very good one. I'd want him to visit Poor me. Poor Steven. Why? What happened? So He's so nice. So when, a, when there's you. a fight, there's an alarm that goes off. <gasps> oh, right? no. So the alarm went off, right? And... uh. Steve goes, what, what am I supposed to do? I go, you're supposed to get down on one knee. So he gets down and hides. Right? Dad, you're mean. So, whatever. Is he mean? He could have one joke one day maybe. That was funny. It was funny. Did he do it? The little things. Yeah, little things. You know, It was funny. I hated those visits. And then there was always Joel Quambly who almost got locked up. 
because he wouldn't take his watch off. Dad. I love him. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I don't know if you're listening, Joel, but I think you'll remember. There was something he did with the sergeant, and the sergeant told me. I to love take that he work. visited you. You yeah. have nice. I had nice a people. lot of good people that visited me. Yes. Remember, I remember you didn't have a visitor one day, and I called Mike crying, and I was like, "I'm so sad. My dad doesn't have a visitor." And he. Oh, he came. He yes. came and visited. That was so nice. Yeah. So nice, and uh, that poor. Mike's my son-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> now he is. My thank you, my, my husband. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Her husband, my son-in-law. How was that visit? It was great. It what was did, good. What did I, you I think? A, well, I learned a lot about Mike that day. Yeah, I don't remember. 100%. I learned a lot about Mike that day yeah. too. It was a lot of character. Yes. Which threw him right in. Yep. All right. So hardest day understood. What did you learn about yourself? What I can handle. What What else? Like you, you also learned you like country music. Oh, I came out of their country music. Yes, definitely did. Why? That. I don't know. <laughs> I think it was the only station that came in. Uh, we had these little radios that were Walkmans. And uh, they were clear. Uh, but I think the only station that came in was country. Did you think you were serving two years when, like, how did you, like, uh, for me, I always am, like, goal-oriented. I know when something will end. I, I can keep that in the back of my it head. It was but one, right? You don't know so, how long you'll be there, right? Well, okay, so how that is open-ended. So when you're in the main plot area, right there, you're thinking, how can I get out early? So you start taking, like I said, AA classes, you take smart recovery classes, which is a whole different story in itself. Um, and that way there you'll get, you'll accumulate what's called good time. Mm -hmm. So you can almost take off a third of your sentence, mm. you know? So I, I tried to take as many AA classes, plus you got out of your cell. Uh, so it was out being on the floor and everything. And, you know, at least you got some fresh air in a sense. You weren't in the cell all day. You got to go outside though, right? Sometimes you get to the yard twice a day. Oh, okay. So you can, when they let you out of the cell twice a day for um, rest, um, you could go outside to the yard or you could just hang inside, whichever you preferred. So, did you eat? Yeah. Three meals a day. But did you eat the food? I ate anything I could. You were hungry? Yeah. I learned to, if... You learn to eat whatever they have in front of you. you yeah. You weren't not picky. You, you literally What was the, the grossest meal you had? I don't remember. <laughs> but let's put it this way. I never ate peas before I went in there. I know. Mom says you hate peas. I ate peas. I never ate beans. I ate beans. All right? Yeah. You know, Ew. What, whatever they Jail served. Jail beans? It didn't matter. Whatever it was, I ate. Imagine the but you farts. snacks. Ew. Imagine the farts well, from jail beans. You got snacks that you could pick so, in your cell, right? So, yes. You get like, you know. Uh, peanut butter crackers. You could get tuna packs. You could get um, what's oh, what do they have? Uh, the oatmeal packs. You know. You could oh, I remember you liked you know, those. And, and then tuna packs. Yeah, and then I was teaching guys how to make parole. My worst for, nightmare. I was teaching guys. Where how to, does that fish come from? Stop. Uh, so I was teaching guys how to make parole, and they would pay me in tuna packs or chicken packs. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's cute. Hey, you want a tuna pack? Yeah. You want a tuna pack? Give you want another a, tuna? Hey, you well, want a chicken pack? A lot of protein. I don't know what my accent was. I have no idea. You know, a letter you wrote me from jail is behind you. I saw that. Yes, I did. It's funny. But I don't have any of those. Ultimately, I got myself into CWP and, and that was a big change because now you weren't locked up every day. Now you were more in uh, bunks with six other people. How was that? It was better than being in a cell. Did you sleep well in there? You never slept well in there. It sucks. You'd always sleep with your back kind of to the wall and when I open, I am, yeah, you, you always. Yeah. Did you poop in the same room as people? Well, when you're in the cell, it's literally two beds and a toilet. So, so you, you, you just poop in front of people. You have no choice. Yeah. 
Why can't but, there just be a bathroom? Well, so here's what most, when, when you're in a cell with another guy and you go to poop, right? The guy usually turns his back to you. So he faces the wall. So he's not sitting there staring at you while you're taking a shit. Great. You know? That's Perfect. nice. You know, and it's then, just a, li- a little speck then, of dignity. And then, and, then, and then out of respect, as you shit, you flush, you know? Wow. So you don't let it stew. You still do that? Yes, I still. It's a habit, yeah. What other oh. habits do you still have? A lot, you know. Like what? I don't know. Tell me. I have no idea. I need to know. Keep going. <laughs> oh, God. Next. I'm scared. Okay. So all in all, I know how you got through it. I, I get the routine. But, like, if you had to sum it up, how did you mentally stay strong? How did you not just, like, I know I know you would never curl into a ball. Like, how did you, what, what's your key to success while you were in there? I'm innocent. You weren't saying, why me, poor me. What was your key to success to stay strong? To get out of there. My end goal was to get out of there. Goal-oriented. You know, so a lot of things I did was I, I started to, I began studying my case because I wanted to appeal it. That's how you spent your time. I spent a lot of time. I had more envelopes coming in from the courthouses. Uh, I, I can almost say I became like a, 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 a prison lawyer. It's almost a hyperfixation because you're just like frustrated. So I, I had them send my discovery. I started getting the police reports. I, I started. Get, I had paper coming in every other day coming in there, and I studied the case inside and out, backwards and forward. And then ultimately, I was able to obtain a lawyer to come in. The first lawyer I had to fire. By the way, I never knew that in the court system, you can fire your lawyer, one hundred percent. Well, you're the hiring law- them. If the lawyer's no good, fire them. So. I, the lawyer that came in to help me with the appeal, I ended up firing him. Um, and then the second one that came in, she was amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. She helped me get to the whole level of appeal nice. and, and getting the paperwork through. And she even got the innocent project involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I so have a question that. about that. Do you, do you have PTSD? So when I first came out, I can actually say I had trouble being in crowds. But I got over that pretty quick. What else? Why? What, what, mean? what scared you? What about a crowd? So, you know, when you're in there, you're on guard the whole time. Right. You know, I saw guys get cut up like tomatoes. <gasps> um, I don't like that at all. You know, they could make knives right inside. I don't There's like that. all sorts of things, you know. So you see all this. You, you know, you're every saying other cut day. up like tomatoes like got killed? Sliced and diced. All right. Killed? I never saw anyone get killed, but I saw people get cut up pretty well. I don't like that. You know, uh, there were a lot of fights, you know, so you have to be careful of that. And, and you just, you know, like I saw a guy sitting there eating lunch one day and someone came up behind him with the, one of the trays and smacked him in the head. You know, so you're always watching. You're always checking your position. You're always making sure, you know, who you're around. So being in a crowd with that instinct in your subconscious must have felt like almost attacking, like you could get attacked. Well, you okay? So I was in there for a year, and think about every day for a year, you're on guard. Right. You know, it's like people coming in from overseas in the military. You know, they're on high alert. I don't know if you remember Jamie. I mean, yeah. Me and Jamie talked about this all the time. Jamie was a wounded veteran. He served four tours, and you know, he was trained to be on alert every single day. Mm. You don't just come here and turn it off. Right. You know, I had a micro level of. You know, coming out of there of, you know, every single day of being on alert. And, you know, I had to eventually learn how to turn it off. Right. You know, so. For those of you who don't know, Jamie was a caretaker of our brother, Jake, um, who has since passed away. But yeah. um, 
someone that was close to us. So, okay. Got it. A wounded veteran. Really good guy. We love you, Jamie. So I I think we talked a lot about this, but like, I almost went on a date with Jamie. Um, (laughs) Is there anything that surprised you about being in there? Whole process? Like the biggest surprise is seeing how many people get caught up in the system. Uh, I was very much surprised to see, you know, I learned, I have a whole different understanding of drugs and alcohol. And I have to say it like this. Before going in, I can actually see the arrogance of thinking that alcoholism is not a disease. But being in there the way I was, I can now say alcoholism is a disease that kills people in a way that most of us don't understand. Mm. You know, and I have a whole different outlook on how that does affect people. So being around so many people, attending so many AA classes. Different perspective. It's a whole different perspective. Interesting how that gave you, in a way, loving awareness towards individuals like that. I think think it's funny. The whole thing is like it's so easy to judge, so easy to form an opinion of somebody. I can absolutely say before going in there, I I used to think, well, if you want to stop drinking, just stop drinking. I definitely was one of those people that thought that. After being in there, I realized, no, it doesn't work that way. Right. You know, and, and it changes your DNA and your body craves the alcohol and it becomes and you lose your will. And, you know, a lot of the other things I noticed, too, is this, is that so many people have been addicted to drugs since a young age and, and being in such close contact with them every day. I started to realize, you know, I'm talking to a man that's 40 years old, but he's got the brain of a 14 year old because that's when he started doing drugs. Oh, that's so sad. And, and you don't realize how much it stops their growth. It makes me so sad too, because like, if you think from, I know you and I have conversations about like the fifth dimension and our beliefs on that. But when you look at life, like from a, a place where everyone's just a person and everyone's trying to live a happy life, it makes me sad to think that like their environment influenced them to live this life that caused them to stay in the system. And the system is what the system is. And it's, I find that there's no like respite for it's those horrible. people. It's just like, how can they get real help? Makes me, it makes me sad. Well, yeah, that's, but some of those people don't want help. And that's where there's true. so much confusion too. You know, some people just enjoy. Yeah. I would not do and, well in this environment. I'd and, be like, and the other part is, you know, hugging everyone. And there's a lot of people that are going in on it. This is their lifestyle. You know, some people, who are we to judge what they do? We're not there to judge them. A lot of people, they'll go in and they'll even plan on when they're coming back. They'll go do some sort of right. thing that they can get picked up on and spend next 60 days or a month or six months in there. Some people plan on going in there around Thanksgiving, you know, and the New Year's so that they're outside from the cold, oh. you know. And even, you know, where I was, a lot of people, you know, would go in there because they like the Thanksgiving meal. I mean, it's, it's oh. really, it's, you know. I, I could vomit. One of the classes I was in. Sad. You know, I'm listening to all the guys talking and stuff. And I said to them, I said, you know, it's really weird. I said, you guys talk about prisons like I would talk about going away on vacation on a hotel. And, they, you know, they're like, fuck you. You know, but the, the truth is, you know, you know, they're talking about how many different places they've been in. And it, it's really it's a different concerning. Life. It's a whole different life, you know. So you get out. I get out, yep. I you got in the parking lot and I'm like, get out of here. I'm, yes. I remember being horrified in that car. Were, Were you were, in the car? I was in the car. Oh, well, I had you, I had moved home. So I, couldn't, I can't remember. I, I broke. How about this? I, I almost you, moved into a shed in Long Island. I, I was so broke. I made parole. True. Yeah. Right. And that's unheard of. I made parole after one year because 
they don't usually give someone that won't admit guilt parole or the opportunity. Yeah, it's not like what happened. It's not like like parole was easy either. No, it wasn't. I had to fight to get parole. No, no, I'm saying when you were on parole, I remember that wasn't easy. That wasn't easy. But but what I'm saying is they weren't going to grant me parole, but it's my legal right to have a parole hearing. So ultimately, I pushed that right. Again, I tell you, I learned a lot about the law and how it works and everything. So I pushed my right. What does parole look like? Like what do like when you go in there to like? It just so happens it was one on one. There was, really? there was just one woman in there, right? We love and, you, and, and Whatever, whoever your name is. And what ended up happening, because she started the whole thing off. She I think goes, they knew you were innocent. But she said to me, she goes, how can you expect me to grant you parole when you won't admit guilt? Uh, All right? That's how take, she started it. She started right yes, off with so that. She was Didn't rude? No, you were innocent. No, she wasn't rude, but she was setting the stage. She, she went right in. And, then, you know, this was now. Again, the, she's just doing it, her job. She's yeah. doing her job. It was a negotiation now, right? And, and I said, no, I understand. You know, I already practice this. I'm not kidding when I tell you I've rehearsed this and I practiced it and I learned. So I learned about parole and what it is. It's all about remorse, okay? And you have to be remorseful. So their whole thing is if you didn't admit guilt, then you can't be remorseful. And then here's where I flipped the coin. I said to her, you know, you want me to admit guilt because you think that has to go with remorse. I said, I'm, I'm more remorseful than anybody else in here. And she goes, how is that possible? I go, because... I'm in here and my family is out there. Yeah. I'm not doing my job. My job is to take care of my family. This is what I'm supposed to do. But instead, they're out there trying to get by. My daughter had to drop out of college. My other daughter can't go to college. My boys won't come visit me. I have a handicapped son that they're struggling to get up the stairs, which I usually carry him up and down. I said, so... You think that me being in here, and this is what I said to her, I said, you think me being in here, meditating, eating, working out, reading books, is punishing me? You're punishing my family. So then she said to me, she goes, how many kids do you have? I said, five. And then she said, is it all with the same woman? And I said, yes. <laughs> Why is that always the question? It's always the question. Well, it's because question. He's, right. she likes that he's a faithful person. Right. And she, I understand. she said, is it all with the same woman? I said, yes. She said, are you still married? I said, yes. She said, all right, I heard enough. I go, okay. Oh. I go, does that mean we're done? She said, no, I want to know about your wife. Oh, I and, love her. And then I she told her. She needs to come in for a facial. I we need her, to give her a hydrofacial. Let's I, find this woman. <laughs> I told her about mommy. And I said, you know, this is what she's doing. And I said, you know, it takes a village. There was a lot of people that helped her through this and, you know, came to her defense. And, and I went through more about, now we turned the whole thing about the family. And I was able to, you know, discuss you guys. And She's probably exactly. never had a conversation like that, though. Probably she not. told she, me that. Yeah, she was like, this is probably shocking. She said that to me. She said, I've never had this. And then she, then she said to me, I'll never forget this. It was the best part about it. She said, what do you think happened? I said, the system's not perfect. And she said, you know what? I go, what? She goes, you made parole. She said, you're the first person that didn't blame or this or that. She said, you've got parole. I love her. Aww. Right. And, and so and much. I said, can I hug you? She said, no. <laughs> <laughs> she looked at me. She goes, we're on camera. You're not allowed to do that. Absolutely right. not. Absolutely not. So, and I, I mean, I remember whoever that you are, we're giving I, you an air hug. I remember that conversation. And a blowout if you it want was, one. She was great. Um, she, she when I think that the turning point of that whole thing was when she heard that mommy had all five of you and she was home with you guys. And that's how it all went. I you know? slept with mommy every night. And then, um, she kept rubbing her toe against and then, me in your oh, bed. the worst. And then I got my paperwork that said I had parole. And How long know. did you get? You know? I think from that point there was like 
two, three, uh, two months more, something like that. I had to stay there, you know, but I was in CWP. So I was, I was going out and, and there's another thing I had to be careful. They found out I was a contractor. So now I'm out there. I was fixing the, um, what do you call it? The power, um, the sandblasting truck. I fixed that. No See, one, they liked you. That's no one could fix that. Um, I was, I was the only one that would climb the ladders and do painting. I was cutting trees. I was cutting grass, uh, picking up trash. You're too you know. handy. We, we, but you know what? It was anything to get out of there. You know, it was, anything to it was keep all, your mind busy. Yeah, it was. It so really was. you leave and I, I want to almost say that's not where the battle ends. No, it doesn't explain that. So now I want to, first of all, now how to explain that? I want to, I want to stay out of there. All right. And parole and probation is not fun uh, because, as I learned, they want to get you back in. They really are not trying to keep you out. Uh, they make it very difficult. It's tough to get a job. Which is absolutely yeah. fucked up. Right? That's the part like to stay that so, I think is probably the hardest. So, you know, part of parole and, you know, probation, you have to have a job. Okay, who's going to hire you? You go out there and you have to fill out, have you ever been convicted of a crime? yes. But no, really. Okay. Well, you put yes on it. No one's going to hire you. Where'd you apply? Right? I applied at Stop and Shop. I applied at um, that place on Route 9, the Rack place. Um, Nordstrom I, Rack? No, Rack Attack. Rack oh. Attack. I went up and down Route 9. I, I didn't have my license. They took my license away, too. So I was on my bicycle driving, riding around. Dad, please. Right? So I, I know. And, it's and funny. So it's funny how you can judge but not know. Ultimately, what I ended up doing is I went to Evolve because I knew they, you know, Basically, they, they do warm body hiring. Um, it's now elevated. It's not, yeah, it's it's not evolving now. anymore. But what does I, that mean? Warm but- they hire, hire anybody anyone. that walks in. Oh, oh, oh. But, but I had to lie, all right? So I did lie on the thing. I'll say it. I lied so I could get a job and stay out oh, of prison. So you're right? a real convict. Right? You're I'm a liar. Totally. I lied. I perjured myself. So I lied on that. And by the way, be careful. It goes like this. Whatever you say and do can and will be used against you. So be careful what you say. All right, it's not, it's going to help you. It's going to be used against you. So I went in, I filled out the application, and then I started selling. I was doing everything, and I was selling a lot too. And after about three weeks, he came up to me and said, you lied to me. I, yeah, are you going to fire me? He said, no, you're making more sales than anybody else. So, <laughs> How did he know? Well, he had to do a background check on oh, oh, oh. and it came back. So ultimately, um, he kept me. I love him too. It was good. And, and then the other part was this, is that um, I wanted to work for myself, but uh, my parole officer wouldn't allow that. Mm. Uh, ultimately, I believe she ended up going to rehab. Uh, she was trying to get me locked up. Uh, she ended up going to rehab in between my parole. And then Seems I Seems like a really reputable person to and be I your- up, And I don't care if I say that about you because you were a nasty woman. Um, Bye, she nasty woman. So I had to ride my bike to go take a pee test every other week. And there's a little problem down there at the parole board. They have a notebook and they have a page going on, but you're supposed to flip the page every day. They weren't flipping the page. So everyone kept signing in on the same day. So ultimately she was looking at it saying, well, you never came here the day you were supposed to. I said, yeah, I did. I signed the page. And then she went back and forth and she was going to send them to lock me up and everything. And then finally, one of the officers that were there that saw me that day, because I rode my bike there, and I would ride on, it was in the wintertime that I was riding there, and I knew what it was, and the guy knew that I was Mom there. Mom couldn't have given you a, dry, a ride? 
I forget what she was doing. I think she was working. So oh, she I, was working at Red yeah. Streak Motors. Yeah, and I didn't want to burden her, so I, I would just ride my bike wherever I, I I did a lot of I would have given you a ride. I don't know where you were. I, I, I just I was I probably off different. doing a photo shoot of somebody I mean, in the garage. Even to the point when I started doing work and, and started doing carpentry work and everything else, um, she would drive and set up my tools and I'd ride my bike. I remember that. You know, I that th- I remember. I think I, um, I think you sort of enjoyed the bike. I, I did a lot of mileage, yeah. <laughs> I did. It was a challenge. You're an odd man. Yes, I am. All right. Did you feel, um, you know, you, you grew up in Framingham. Yes. You owned a very large business in yep. Framingham, Sudbury. Yeah. You were publicly announced as a, you know, a convict. You yep. were sent to jail. Yeah. I, I know we all lost a lot of friends. Did you feel, yep. I, I know a lot of people were really good to you, but then were there a lot of people who like, you were guilty and, you know, did so, you lost respect? So those people, I, I, I don't judge anybody, but here's the deal. A lot of people would just go get caught up in the system. You know, you went, you were guilty. That's it. That's how. But we had a tremendous amount of following for us and friends and family that helped us. And they believed in us. And, you know, there, there are so many people that came forward and said, there's no way, you know. I mean, I, just person after person, like, no way, no way. But, you know, it, it's over. It's, we're out of there. We're done. Eventually, I know you're going to go into it a little bit. Uh, we, we got everything overturned, and I was, you know, all charges are gone. So first you were exonerated. I'm completely exonerated, 100%. So exonerated, but then the Innocence Project. Explain that. Well, the Innocence Project helped me get exonerated. Oh, that's, okay, so, that's who helped. So they helped, they helped with the whole thing. What is the Innocence Project? Is it Innocence or Innocent? Innocent. I, I think it's Innocence. innocence. I, yeah, I think so. Uh, basically, they look for cases similar to mine, and they are going to help with their legal team and support the legal team to get the evidence that you didn't do the crime. That you so, were... Kim Kardashian. I guess, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Kim Kardashian does that now. Oh. Um, but there are so many people out there that they don't understand how they get caught up in, you know, even like myself. Not, I'm going to use the word naive in that case and trusting the system and believing in the system that it's going to take care of you, and then the system kicks you in the ass. Yeah. You know? So, you know what I think is funny? How long are we away from this now? Do I you- was released in 2011. October, I, October 28th. When I graduated I took my first school. photo in 2010. I, you helped me all the way through on all of our calls to formulate how I could stay in New York and keep my business going. Yeah. That's what that letter behind you says. Yeah. It, you line itemed for me all of the expenses I would need to pay in order to stay in New York. I remember asking my landlord if I could live in the shed so that I could stay with my friends because I didn't want to leave them. Yeah. And then one day you called me and said, Rachie, you need to move home. Yeah. I fucking hated you. I know. And I hung up on you. Yeah. That was nice. I was in prison. No. Yeah. And then you had to probably trade some Cheez-Its to call me back. Yes. You didn't get Cheez-Its. No. Tuna packets. It was always collect call. And you said, go home. What I find funny is how the dots always connect. Because mm-hmm. we're sitting here X amount of years later. How many years? Tell me again. 12. Well, it was 2011, so 12 years. So 12 years later. Yeah. And we have a sisters. We run three brands. We have a podcast. And if I didn't move home from New York because you called me from jail, I question and I wonder, would we be sitting here? Well, you and I have had this conversation. Mm-hmm. Probably not, honestly. I would have well, never left New York. Probably not. So w- the way the conversation went was like this. Rachel said to me one day, she's like, I wish that never happened to you. And I turned around and said, if it didn't happen to me, 
then you would have never taken this path and opened up parlor ever and touched so many lives ever. So, you know, I use the term, everything that's happened to us brings us to where we are, where we are right now. It's unfortunate that you had to experience that, but I just find it ironic when you look at it from the plane, it, it blossomed some good. I think for me, I don't know if I can look at it and say like, I, I know here we are now and like we're all good and everything's fine. And I get that. There's anger involved. But for me, just personally, like just in the way, like I, I definitely have anger towards it, but I also like think that the most valuable thing in this life is time. Oops, my voice cracked. Time. And like a year, how many of our years, like even one that took away from all of us, like makes me physically sick. No, it's, it's, it's nauseating. Like, like thinking about it. Yeah, but you guys never let it hold you back. Well, Regardless, no, I think it's because you never the, let it yeah. us hold it like, back. Like I never when I I'm like okay, I was young when you went, but like when you did go, like I never worried about you for a second because like I know who you are, I knew what you were going to do and I knew I don't think I knew to worry. Yeah, like I did I was naive. I didn't understand I that jail was dangerous. But just like knowing you and who you were, like not everybody could withstand like what just happened to them. And like I knew you would be fine, like I wasn't worried about that. And like, I knew you could hold your own, but it's just like, if you really think about it deep and you sit and like, think about the whole scenario, it's, it's really not right. It's really sad. It, it is really sad. And like, I think about mom the whole time and how strong she is and like who we come from. And, and I'm so grateful for what we have and where we are and like how we moved on. It's just, it really deserves a spotlight of how it wrong does it deserve is. a spotlight. It's very wrong. Well, the other half of what I was going to say, yin and yang of like, it brought beauty is it also still follows you. How? Well, I, there was a scenario recently with a customer who threw that in your face. Yeah, someone did throw that in my face recently, yeah. Someone who, you know. But you know what? I, I, I know you that, hold that, no ill will. That, but that, I'm just saying, it for doesn't For someone leave. to do that, then, you know, whatever. You know, you can't change the way people think. It's a reflection of them, not of you. I understand that. But I'm just saying, it's still there. <laughs> like, it, when something like this awful happens to you. It's hard to escape. Well, you you've to done think, a good job. You have to think about how messed up it is, is that like people don't even realize how many innocent people go to jail every day. And like, that's the thing is like you, when we're all saying we're naive to it and now that we've lived through it, we understand, but these people have no idea. They see the word convict and they're, well, think about this, they're right? scared. So let's say someone goes to, gets caught up in the system, right? When you say so many innocent people, there's a lot of innocent people that get caught up because they cut a deal. That's how the system is devised. Whatever way you cut it, whoever, whatever the situation is. The whole idea. It can be messed up. It is messed up. The idea is this. You didn't do anything. And I come to you as a lawyer and I say, listen, you're looking at 10 years. Or you can go in for two years and get off in 18 months on good time. 18 months will get you in a minimum security. You'll be fine. Blah, blah, blah. You'll get you on work release. You get in and out in 18 months. You'll be back with your family. Or you're looking at 10 years. Most people sign on the dotted line. I would. I, I didn't want to. I would but never. The, but the thing is that. Would never. If someone's saying to you, but they weren't ever saying to you 23 years. That's the thing. Is it, was, it was always two when they said no, things to you. No, it wasn't. Oh, it wasn't. No. When Greg was sitting down with me, he said straight out, he goes, you're looking at a lot of years here. Because it was an arson right. charge. And, I mean, and they, took, they were actually you talking. You took a risk there, though. They were actually talking about, I think he even said nine months. And if, okay, so I think one of the deals that were on the table was nine months 
out in six. Mm. If right? you sign on that dotted line, can you're you guilty. not be exonerated? No. Because you wow. sign on the line. You're, you're but you guilty. took a risk there, Dad. Like, that was a pretty big thing to put on the line. Because... But again, okay. I'm not disagreeing. I, now, comes, now comes down the idea, if you want to call it naive, call it whatever you want. I believe that innocent people didn't go to prison. Right. All right? We all sit here and everyone shakes their head. She's shaking her head. Yeah, no one goes to prison that's innocent. No, every day people go to prison. Yeah, fuck but, you. You know? Yeah, don't <laughs> shake your head. Don't no, shake, don't shake no, your head, bitch. I'm joking. No, I'm just, he's kidding. She's he's shaking kidding. her head in belief. She's like, yeah, that's what I believe. Innocent people don't go to prison. But that's not what do. happens. I mean, there are people going there for 30 years, 20 years, 10 years. They come out, you know, and, you know, it was like, oh, well, you got a big, you know, you sued you. No, that doesn't make up for 10 years. Right. What is that going to make up for? You know, That's what I was sits, saying is time. You have no idea. No one can explain. Like you said, what's it, how the hell do you explain sitting in a concrete cell with, I'm talking two narrow windows for light, very narrow windows, one to the outside and one to the inside, a steel door that slams shut every day, all right? You're sitting in there, and sometimes they put other people in there with you too. You know, like if the place is overcrowded, so sometimes they'll go three people, all right, in these cells. But you're talking, really, you're talking about a bathroom with two beds. It's not a bedroom with a toilet. It's a bathroom with two beds. The whole it's thing's a, horrible. You I walk in there, again. and there's that metal toilet sitting right there in your face. It's not fun. It's funny. I, I think about, like, I, I feel physically ill if I miss a day of Lily and Sadie's life. Oh. I feel physically ill. Like, I, I, I physically cannot be in a meeting anymore if it's not purposeful because I cannot not look at them. I, I just like looking at them. I had all your pictures above my bed. For, for you to all you. lose also a year of watching your children grow up, I think is probably the more painful thing now that I'm a parent for me to relate to. Yes, That's you can I'm see it saying. It's just yeah. like that time is like, you can't get that back. You no. can't get back a year of watching Jesse Rubin be a baby. You know? You I know, mean, yeah, or like no, my senior it, year of well, high okay. school. There you Maybe. go. I mean, I mean, here you go about Michael. I saw something about Michael when I first got out, right? Michael, every time I would leave the house to go somewhere, he'd, he'd always say, you coming back? Stop. He, 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 it, that stuck in my head. Michael would always say to me, are you coming back? When are you coming back? He was all over me about that. When are you coming back? Every single time I left the he house. He was so cute. I mean, he was young. He was definitely younger. He was the youngest. You know, I mean, look, he was Is 10. He was 10. Yeah. He was like 10 or 11. No, 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 no. He was nine. No. Way younger. Yeah. No, no. He was born in 2002. Right. You went away in 2010. Ten, so He's eight, eight. Eight or nine. And then, eight or, but by the time I caught out, he was almost nine. All right. Right. So what I'm saying is he was very young. All right. And every time I left the house, you coming back, daddy? When are you coming back? And, and I, I noticed that in him the most, you know. All of you were old enough and you understood and you, you know, you were into your own life. I don't know everything. if I understood. I didn't. No, but I'm saying like, you didn't think, you know, are you not going to come back today? He, oh, right. Yeah, he, like I guess I could justify he had that. that. He definitely had that side Abstract thing, fear. You know, are you coming back today? It's sad. You know, because that's basically what happened. You know, we come home from the, the trial and we said, we have to sit down and tell you something. And I look at Jesse and I look at Michael and I said, listen, uh, I have to go away for a while. You know, and, you know, you want to ask me what the saddest thing was? That was it right there. I looked at those don't two. Don't you cry. Yeah, I'll I'll cry. Don't you two. don't do that. I've only seen you those cry two. one other time in my life. Those two. That was that was tough. Looking at those two. Well, that's what I'm I saying is like, 
yes, beauty came out of this or whatever. It's just like, it I'm doesn't. I'm just trying to find the light. No, no, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I agree there's a light at the end of the tunnel and I'm so grateful for where we are, but it doesn't take away like. You can't get it back. That hurt. Like it, every time I hear the story, like even when we were going to do this, I was like, I like don't even want to hear the story because like I pushed it so deep, well, deep, 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 deep down. Like, I don't, if you are wondering about like the Rubin family, like, this is not something we talk about. Like, so it's, well, fun. We moved it's, on. it's kind of weird that we're doing this. Right. Like when you authentically think it about is. the way that we live, because yeah. like we don't dwell on it, like you left and we carried on. Like no, it, it wasn't, we we're weren't allowed to have this moment though, because there are people that did believe you were guilty. And I honestly, I hate all of them. Oh my God. There Truthfully, were people that left this company who like don't work here anymore, who used to like use that guilty. against yeah. me and used to like tell my customers that like my dad was a convict and that like I'm a liar and I like try to hide it. We oh. had a client that was that like, was, like a whole thing on for the a while. No. There's a woman on Facebook that's still putting a thing out there that I was- uh, Let me know her name. And they won't take her down. No, no, let me it know her on, name. She was on Facebook <laughs> and she was on, what else was she You on? got the wrong girl, um, let me know. And um, first of all, let me know her name. And second of all, we had a client that like, I think they're, they were the chief, the chief police officer were related to the, uh, the chief of the, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. the fire department. And that's the guy that wrote that article that was like, biggest, best day of my life. Oh, I, yeah. I, I forgot I, about that. He's yeah. a, we, we got him. And I was yeah. like, when I found that out and I knew she came here, I was like, best day of your life. I think that people might could have a lot of different opinions about this episode too, because you could think, oh, it's clickbait. Oh, they're trying to like leverage the story for X. But you know, it, it, to me, in a lot of ways, it's sort of like a beautiful redemption of like being able to have a voice. This is on, not clickbait on the matter. This is, no, this isn't clickbait. This is also you it's know truth. Where you started. It is you know, where we so started. The reason for this too is a little bit of you know you're always talking about how you started, where you got going, you know. I don't know how many people understand that, you know, when I came out, I had a gym in the garage and you had your studio in the garage. Mm -hmm. And when you needed to do a shoot, I had to move my equipment so that Every you could time. do a shoot, you know? And, and then Every ultimately time. it got to the point where we were sitting down and looking at each other and I'm uh, oh yeah, I know what it was. It was a boudoir shoot. And oh, I, yeah, I did a, a boudoir I, shoot in the And garage. I said, you know, I think it's time for you to find another no, yeah, place. No, you accidentally walked in. I was like, I no! Walked in, I walked in, and I, after that, we said, it's you time. You were horrified. You were like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. That's Jim. No, this was the best. I actually know exactly who it and, was, too. And then I find then I find a place <laughs> over here in the Saxon Mill Mills, you know, the mills, well, it was like 200 feet. You said, Rach, I, I, I think, you know, what happened was you sat down at dinner and yeah. you said, is this going to be your hobby or your career? Yes, correct. And I said, it's definitely going to be my career. Right. And you said, then I found a space in the mill that you should yeah. come look at. And I said, go fuck yourself. Right. And then on top of it, here's the thing. We get there. I said, let me do the talking. All right. And I'm trying to negotiate with Heath and she's sitting there jumping on down going, I want it. I want it. I want it. I go, great negotiating here, right? <laughs> yeah, she, but you know what? The rest is history. It all went the right direction. But that, I will say, is is cool. But that you know, story part so, is cool. Because so, yes, this all brings us to here, yeah. you know? And, and here we are, and we're all living our best lives. You guys got it. I don't know if I, I would have had it any other way. I mean, you know, I would I have liked to... No, I'm sorry. I don't, not you go to jail. I'm saying for, like, my portion of the story, like, I, I'm grateful for to have had the opportunity to learn as I go. Did I wish I, I could have finished college and been a child for a little longer and maybe had that experience with my friends and, you know, not ask my landlord to live on the floor of a shed? Yeah, maybe You're that, fine. Maybe that would have been nice. I'm fine. I, I'm over college. I got honestly. a little grit from it. We're, we're gritty. We're gritty. 
Can I? Can you pass me that letter, please? Be careful. You have headphones on. Yeah, headphones. I want to remember what this says. So I have a framed letter here. If you're not watching the the video, and it's a letter from my dad that I have framed from jail, and it says, "Rachel, here are your monthly numbers. <laughs> you would need seven hundred dollars for rent. Studio three hundred dollars. Miscellaneous business expenses three hundred. Supplies two hundred. Fuel and gas a hundred. Insurance car two hundred and sixty. Your cell phone would be sixty dollars. Your food would be four hundred. Apparently, I was hungry." Entertainment would be 400. I don't know what I was doing for entertainment. New vehicle, 250, because mine was rickety yep. and broken down. And savings, I'd want you to have 200. In order for you to stay in New York, Rachel, you'd have to have $3,170 a month, which is $372 a week to cover over 12 months, $31,700. So your annual expenses, Rachel, to stay in New York. Can you please stop saying Rachel? Are 38 thousand forty dollars because you will have to be legitimate you will have other expenses alongside insurance and taxes you will have to make a minimum of a thousand dollars a week which is fifty two thousand dollars a year meanwhile just keep in mind i'm just a sophomore in college so right. I, I don't even know what this means and cover thirty eight thousand for you to just stay in new york this is your reality numbers don't lie but people do to themselves and to others if you cannot commit to these numbers then all of your then all you'll be doing is playing and you will not move ahead, and you'll only dig yourself into a deeper debt. I love you. I know what you can do. Make the correct decision for you. Well, we know she, where she went. And then... Well, you knew with that letter what she was doing. Yeah, you, it was not... Don't, it was don't, a, it was a the manipulative letter. It was a little manipulative. Little asshole. Um, Why am I an asshole? And then get, I, get your ass. And then Mike came in a Penske truck and moved me home. Yes, well, Dad, did. I'd like to just say I think you're one of the strongest people I know. And hearing that story, it's, you are absolutely amazing. And, and I'm sorry that happened to you. And not only that, you didn't skip a beat after working at a gym. You reopened your business. Yes. Made it survive through COVID. Yes. And are doing better than ever. Trying, yeah. And you just carried on. You're truly one of the most resilient people I've ever met. What would you say, let's say somebody's listening to this and they're going through a hard time, yeah. right? And maybe they don't have the training you have in meditation and Taoism. And, you know, you, we, that's a whole thing we didn't talk about is your background in Taoism. And my dad's a priest. Remember my dad's a Taoist priest. priest. I know <laughs> you're not a priest. I'm not a priest. <laughs> you know, you, you've, but you have put a lot of time in your life into learning meditation and teaching that to I us. I had a and very good mentor. You yes. had a great mentor. Yes. Let's say somebody's dealing with something right now and they need to be mentally strong. What would you say to them after being an innocent man in jail for a year? What, what would be your advice? Okay. Well, first of all, you got to understand the two things that everybody in this world have in common together. Everybody in this room, Lives. everybody out there, there's two things we all have in common. The first one, no matter what you are, religion, color, creed, whatever, we're all going to die. Mm. Every single person's going to die. And when you accept that and don't just talk about it and just don't, you know, say, oh, you know, I, we're all going to die. No, it's the truth. We're going to die. When you come to that reality, then comes the second part. Everybody's looking for some sort of peace. Mm. It doesn't matter what your peace is. We're all looking for peace. But if you understand the first one, then you can start working on the second one. Mm. And you can start understanding how to become peaceful it's and true. find your peace. Again, everyone forgets and they think that, you know, I'm going to be here forever. I'm not going to be here forever. I can go out tomorrow, get hit by a truck, 
And that's it. It's over. Shields Shields up. up. You know? Cancel clear. Whatever you want to say, you know? But that's the reality. You know, um, whatever we're doing, it doesn't matter. Something can happen at any time. We all have an expiration label. But again, if you really understand that part, then you'll understand how to start going for your peace and start setting the path. And then you can set your destination and figure out how to get there. But it's all about like that. understanding Beautiful. that first. Thank you. You're welcome. You're, you were good at this. I'm impressed. You know what it is? I think you I were, mean, we did come from you, him. I think you've been thinking about this for a while too, though. You think so? Yeah. Maybe 12 years? Yeah. No, <laughs> no we've talked about it. You know, Maybe like, like in your jail cell? I'm just kidding. Much love. Much love. We love you. I'm, I'm proud to be you your daughter, and I, I'm impressed. I'm proud to be your father. Thank and, you. And a grandfather. Yeah. And you are absolutely not Oppie. guilty Oppie. ever of anything. Oppie. You're perfect. Not perfect, but it is what it is. Thank you for being here. Thank you guys for listening and for um, allowing our dad to have a voice in a situation that he deserved to have a voice in. So we appreciate you. We've gratitude for you. Uh, over and out. Thank Peace. You. Namaste.